Welcome to an hour of your life. My name is Kim. And I am Steve. Do you like how I'm being a good little host and not talking over the music and going right straight into who I am? Yes, I do. I really appreciate that. It's the like, one and only time <laughs> I'm going to do that. Just so yeah. you know. Don't get used to it. Well, look, it's almost the week before Christmas. We've got, what, seven days until Christmas? Yes. And just like always, the weather people are teasing us about a white Christmas. You know, they do this every single year. They know, or at least they eh, think they know. I don't think they know. Well, they make their best guess, but they every year they tease you. Oh, there's a chance at a white Christmas this year. Yeah, and you wake there's up, also a chance that I'm going to... And you wake up Christmas morning, it's 50 degrees, and yeah. people are running around in their flip-flops and their short pants. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of Christmased out. Really? Yeah. I, I think it's just because working in like a retail environment, you you get kind of both sides. You get the people that are really excited for Christmas, but more often than not, you get people who are grumpy. And especially hmm. in this time, I'll be on, like, I'll own oh, it. Oh, I know it. I'll, I'll own it. It rubs off and I bring it home and I want, oh, would like yeah. to publicly apologize to you, dear husband, for bringing home my grumpy Well, I am in people. a good Christmas spirit right now. Well, that's good. I, so I just, It just, no, it's just some people are really excited and some people are really not and some people just don't really care. And I think that the so like, pandemic is making people more grumpy than they normally would be at Christmas So like time. One of, from one of my favorite movies, Kelly's Heroes, don't be bringing home any of those negative waves. I try not to. Okay, if you don't know who that is, watch the movie. Pay attention to Oddball. You would think working in a massage studio that I would be all like light and airy and happy all the time, but meh. It is what it is. We'll just start this show out on a bummer. <laughs> Boy, <sighs> you were the one that was like, they always tease us with a white Christmas and then we never get it. Rawr, 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 rawr. Well, let's move on, though. <laughs> Because let's not forget about the Christmas star we talked about last week, yes, sir. which will be on the 21st, which if you want to look about 45 minutes in the west to southwest sky after the sun sets, you should be able to see it. I'm very And excited. I went ahead and I looked. It looks like we're going to have clouds that day, so of we may not get to see that. we are. But I'm sure someone will have I... some way to see it. Ah, uh, and I'm going to be working then, so I won't even, it'll be fine. But... Let's look at the big news this week, which is they have come out in the United States and they've approved all the, the agencies that, have, that do the approving and they've come out with the COVID-19 vaccination and people are actually getting vaccinated right now. So it looks like we are at the beginning and the end of this COVID thing that we're all going through. I have thoughts. Yeah, what are they? So my first thought is... I agree. I know that you think that it is incredibly historic, and I would agree with you 100%. Like, it's a big deal. But my tail end of that thought is that I don't need to see live video stream of just random people getting a shot in the arm. Well... Okay. <laughs> like, a still, a still photo is fine, or like... A blip on the news, like, as part of a entire story is fine. But when you, like, interrupt broadcasting to show somebody getting a shot... I, no one interrupts the broadcasting. I've they're just showing it during the it, news. I've seen it a couple times. Yeah, they're, they're, just, they're just showing it through the news. I personally think this is one of the greatest accomplishments of our time. I mean... I agree. You look at all the turmoil, whether you, you're one of those conspiracy theorists that you think it's all made up and it's a hoax... You can't deny that this has had 
severely affected oh, yeah. people and the economy. So no yeah. matter what, it I mean we're we're moving on with that. So it's it to me it's a big big day and it, I think it's a something we should be celebrating. And I, to- be I totally about. agree. I agree. I completely agree. I'm just saying it doesn't need like I don't need to watch everybody get the vaccine individually. Well, just remember you all already said that you're in a bad mood. I well, but I've been thinking. Okay, that. yeah. The other thing that I wanted to say about the COVID vaccine is to the people who, like myself, were saying, "Ooh, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of rushed. Is it really safe to get here?" I want to speak to my people. Listen, by the time. It trickles down to the plebs like you and me. Then the healthcare workers will have already got it. The old people will have already got it. The all the people in England getting it a week all before we did. All the people in England are already getting it. So there's going to be so many people that are going to be test subjects before we even have a chance to get it. So you're good. Just I mean, keep an eye. If nobody like has really super bad, like sprouts a third arm or or you know goes insane or whatever, just you're probably good. Okay. I personally plan on receiving the vaccination when it's my turn. And I've come to this conclusion by doing a lot of research and a lot of reading from legitimate sites and legitimate reports, not from the memes that are people posting that are saying, oh, if you get this, they're going to plant the chip in you. Why would the government want to spend all that money to plant a chip in me, to trace me, because I'm all that important. No, it doesn't mess with your DNA and all these things out there. It just doesn't happen. I'm going to get it because my friend, the infectious disease doctor, said to, and because, like I just said, a bunch of other people are going to get it first, and as long as they're fine, cool. Well, I, doing my research, I ask myself two questions. What does emergency approval mean, and is the vaccination safe? And after reading many, many different reports, and they all concurred and they all agreed, one, I was satisfied by what I learned. I learned what emergency approval means. It doesn't mean they skipped any steps. It means they kind of combined and did some things concurrently that expedited the process. And the bottom line is, this isn't exactly a brand new vaccination. To put it in layman's terms, which I'm a complete layman, it was tweaked from an existing vaccination. So there's already been lots of study and years of study that gone, has gone into this vaccination. And two, so that's what emergency approval means. And the vaccination, from everything I've read, the vaccination safe because it's not like it was rushed through. Yeah, this specific thing was, but it was a tweak in layman's terms an existing of, of, an, of an existing vaccination. So... Yeah. I was satisfied from what I learned. And look, if we were trying to explain this, it would take an entire episode of an hour of your life to try to explain this to why I I think it's safe. But don't take my word for it. I'm just a guy sitting here in the basement making a podcast right now. I am not a doctor. I am not anybody that knows anything. So before you take the shot yourself, or if you decide to take the shot for yourself, Talk to your doctor and make the best decision for yourself of how, what you think it is. Ask the doctor the questions. Don't ask me. So normally we want you to write us, and but on this topic, don't write me. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I don't know. Talk to your doctor and you and your doctor, you decide what's best for you. 
You can write to me if you want. I'll listen to you. Yeah, I'll listen to you. And I I'm mean, gonna I'm tell not going to tell you what to do, but I'm I'll tell listen, you, listen to you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, what's your doctor say about this? Because he's going to know or she is going to know your health condition, your status, and all that good stuff. If you write to me conspiracy theories, I'm going to make fun of you. Yeah, I just ask that you get the true facts and not rely on people who are getting their medical and their science degrees from Facebook. So, Oof. yeah, okay. Well, enough of that. In this episode, you ready to move on? I am ready to move okay. on, yes. In I this episode, we're going to continue our exploration of Christmas and the holiday celebrations. Keep in mind, we are not theologians or anything like that. It's just, right. yeah, we're, we're not. Right. We're not experts on anything. Here. Nope, we're not. Last week, we focused on Kwanzaa. This week, we're going to look at Hanukkah and what was going on during that period of time. And Kim and I have kind of divided this up mm-hmm. into some different sections so we could study it and research it. And um, like I said, we're not theologians, so if there are any rabbis out there listening, just give us an A for effort and let's roll with this one. I would, speaking of rabbis listening, I would like to thank the kind people at Temple uh, Israel in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, They were kind enough to, unfortunately, we were a little late in our communication, um, but they have offered to come on the show and discuss Judaism uh, and some of the misconceptions about Judaism and things that people may not know. Um, So that may be uh, an option at some point. We may may end up doing that. Well, it's been a crazy week. I mean, technically, we're getting this podcast out this week. But I've been working up at the craft shop. I'm making Kim her Christmas gift, mm-hmm. and that's been taking all of my evenings. I've been working long research hours and everything, and yeah, yeah so. long hours training somebody new, and so it's been a, it's been a little bit of a week. Um, but thank anyway. you, thank you to the good folks at uh, Temple Israel. Okay, so um, Judaism also uh, Judaism is. I'm going to kind of go into the background of it um, and what the Jewish people believe. Um, like Steve said, we are not theologians. Um, I know some about Judaism. I am. I have long been fascinated by the Jewish religion. I think it is a beautiful religion. I love that it is an oral, uh, a religion that is de- um, dependent upon oral tradition and storytelling and generational wisdom. Um, I just, I, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful faith. And, uh, and so I've, I've been a fan of the Jewish people for a long, long time. And so I was really excited to do Hanukkah. So Judaism is one of the world's oldest monotheistic religions, meaning monotheistic, meaning belief in one God, according to Judeo-Christian belief. So, um, most people I think know that Jesus was raised Jewish, um, and is descended. So also, I guess I should probably clarify that Jews are, Judaism is not just a faith. It is a people group. It is an ethnic group. Um, there are branches of Judaism uh, de- that kind of depend on where the family is from in the world. So it's a very complex. Well, from what I understand, there's different, uh, I, I don't know the right word, word but like they're, they're very conservative mm-hmm. Jews, and then there are more, for lack of a better term, more liberal Jews. There are, yeah, that's and, true. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can be con- you can convert to Judaism, but uh, it is a it's a people group too. It's not just a faith; it is actually a um, like a recognized group of like an ethnicity. Um, so, 
Jesus was Jewish, and so obviously founder of Christianity. Um, and so there's some lineage. Let me, let me just say one thing right here, too. Is you just said that Jesus. Almost all religions recognize that Jesus was Walk that oh, did, Jesus, Jesus did walk person. the earth. Yeah, it, Jesus it, was a real person. Yeah, the the uh, the Muslim religion recognizes that. Yeah, I don't think there is. Uh, yeah, everyone like recognizes. It's just if you believe Jesus was the was Son the of son God, God. Right, yeah. or a prophet. Right. So, um, so yeah. Jesus was an actual person who lived. Like that's not really debated. I don't think by most people. Just like Muhammad was a real person that lived, and that's not really debated by most people either. So. Um, it's just a question of, was Jesus a prophet? Was he a son of God? And that's where some of the religious beliefs tend to deviate. Um, my understanding is that the traditional Jewish, um, belief is that Jesus was not the son of God and was merely a prophet of God and that the true Messiah is coming to still, um, take, you know, be the savior of the Jews there are, like I said, many branches of Judaism. There's Reformed Jews. There's um, there are Christian Jews. So there are, I mean, there are. There's so much. But so according to Judeo-Christian belief, so both Jews and Christians. So this basic Jewish belief right here, though. Yes. Okay. Uh, Abram was the great grandson of Noah, and we, I assume everybody kind of knows who Noah is. He's the guy that built the ark for the giant flood, all the animals, two by two. Most people know yeah. the story, even if and you're again, not a Christian. And all religions pretty, pretty much recognize there was a flood. Yeah. Okay. Now, according to the story, Abram married a woman by the name of Sarah and left for a place called Canaan. However, the couple saddled, settled in a town called Haran. And after Abram's father died, God called Abram to leave Haran with his family and go to a place that would later be revealed to him. And God promised that Abram would be the father of many nations. Now, this is the super, super, super short version. Essentially, Abram and Sarah had lots of adventures wandering from place to place. Sarah was quite the looker. And Abram told a bunch of lies that she wasn't his wife. She was his sister. And then that got found out. It's just lots of... Uh, not comic misadventures at all because there was nothing funny about them, but it they they had lots of things happen to them. Um, they wandered from place to place. Eventually, they did settle in Canaan, and they lived there for about 10 years with no luck in having children. You started to say something. Yeah, because they lived in Ur, and I have actually been to Ur in what is present-day... In present-day Iraq. I've been there. I've been... I've climbed up on top of that temple there. Which is where Iraq, I believe, is where they think that the Garden of Eden was, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but anyway, so there, and, and also, too, there are family members that you may or may not have heard of. Um, Abram's nephew Lot lived with them for a while, uh, and then they kind of went their separate ways. So Sarah, you know. These Abram, are all familiar names, whether it's Jewish or yeah. Christian religion. Yep. Yeah. So these are the, the four parents of the Jews, um, Sarah was distraught. She wasn't holding up what she figured was her end of the bargain because, remember, God promised Abram that he was going to be the father of many nations, and he had one wife who was Sarah, and she wasn't seeming to be able to deliver on that promise. So um, she allowed Abram to sleep with her handmaid, Hagar, now, sure enough, Hagar got pregnant, and it led to complications between the two women, as you, think? you can probably imagine. Um, we were watching a show the other day, something about 
uh, polygamist families. And it's interesting that even in modern times, um, that polygamy doesn't seem to work in a lot of cases simply because you have two women or three women competing for the affections of one husband and it just doesn't work well. So Sarah and Hagar were, um, you know, they were kind of bitter and jealous because, you know, Sarah obviously was Hagar's mistress um, and Hagar was the one that was carrying her husband's child. Uh, It just got to be nasty. So Hagar took off into the desert, gave birth to Abraham's or Abram, I'm sorry, Abram's illegitimate son, Ishmael, and Ishmael later became the father of Islam. Now, but they were not, my my understanding is that they were not uh, just out in the desert like forever for an indiscriminate amount of time because uh, Ishmael was mentioned later on in the Bible, um, in the story of Abram. So I, I would imagine that at some point they came back. Um, now, 13 years later, when Abram was 99 years old, that's when God renamed him Abraham and gave him another vision, which is known as the covenant of the pieces. I wonder why God had to rename him. Uh, that's where I wish we had a rabbi rabbi or someone with that type of expertise to understand why, why God, I'm sure there's, he was God. He had to have a reason why and he did it. So I, I just don't know why. Um, I don't know. I think it had something to do with, um, I don't know. And it's interesting too, because <laughs> tell me what you think it had something to do with. Well, I think it has to do with your, with a change in state. So it's, it's like when, uh, Jewish children have a Hebrew name, uh, and a, and an, uh, you know, a non-Hebrew name, um, and they mean different things. And so so it could mean that Abram and Abraham had different meanings and that he only got the name Abraham after, you know, a certain point in time, um, which as far as I know, Abraham means the uh, chosen by God or the chosen one or father of many or some something along those lines. Um, anyway, he's 99 years old. God renames him Abraham, give him another vision known as the covenant of the pieces. And this is when he again promises that Abraham's descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. He also gave Abraham a vision of the Jewish people and, you know, the, the people who are the, the descendants of Abraham. I have an answer. Children of Abraham. Hold on. Gave them a vision of their future suffering in Egypt. What is your answer? Okay, so you didn't even have to type the whole thing into Google because Why apparently, did God change names? Yeah, yeah, it's been typed in there. Abraham is childless and very old. This means he cannot fulfill the promises of God. If he does not have a child, his descendants will not be from his family line, but from another family line. By changing his name, the Lord not only confirmed that he would fully carry out the promise that he made to Abraham. There you go. Spoiler alert Sarah gets pregnant. <laughs> so, um, he, so Sarah, he also, God, when he gave him the covenant of the pieces, God also said that Sarah was with child. Uh, this child is Isaac. You may know the story of Isaac where God kind of tests Abraham's faith a little bit. When Isaac is about five, God tells I or Abraham to take him up to a mountain and sacrifice him basically. And the Isaac, last second retrieval there. Yeah. At the last second, God sends, God stops him. Abraham's about to, you know, Isaac's laying on the slab, getting ready to get sacrificed. And um, 
did I say Abraham? Isaac's laying on the slab. Abraham's got his hands up. He's ready to bring the knife down. And then here comes a sheep. And God says, no, take this sheep instead. Thanks for listening to directions. Anyway, moving backwards. Immediately following this conversation with God about this covenant of the pieces, Abraham and all the males of his household, including Ishmael. So this is where at some point Ishmael came back. All the males of Abraham's household were circumcised as a visual reminder that they had been set apart as a special and favored nation. So it is a visual thing that reminds Jews that they are the chosen people and don't you forget it. And like I said, there's no possible way that I can do justice to the Jewish people, their faith, and their history in an hour-long podcast. I would suggest that if you want to dig deeper, that you do your own research and educate yourself by reading the Torah, which is um, also called the books of Moses, which can be found as the first five texts in the Old Testament Bible. There are parts of it, I'm not going to lie, numbers gets a little boring sometimes, but there there are parts of it that can be a little draggy. But there's also some really cool stories in there. So there's some really cool Bible stories. I would strongly recommend, even even if you're an atheist, even if you're an agnostic, even if you, no matter what your religious beliefs are, it's, it's good literature. A, it is. It's a beautiful story. It's very well told. So I go read Torah. So anyway, there's a handy list actually of 13 most basic fundamental beliefs of Judaism, and it. It was written in the 1800s, kind of this list was comprised, but it's it's the basic principles. So, and they're all I believe statements. Um, one, I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, is the creator and guide of all the created beings and that he alone has made, does make, and will make all things. Now, once again, I am, I am not a practicing person of Jewish faith. I found out fairly recently that I do have Jewish lineage that I believe it was my great grandfather was in uh, a concentration camp as a, as a German Jew. So I have Jewish lineage. And so I'm fascinated by kind of these belief systems. Yeah, I wonder because you've always had this fascination really about ha- this. I, I wonder it, it always, since I, wonder. I was a little, little kid. Yeah. I, I do I and I love this too that God it always fascinates me that how smart people are that they're the right yesterday was Wright Brothers Day look across the table darling <sighs> yesterday was Wright Brothers Day <laughs> and those guys were just so just genius level and it always but God I do believe this that God grants people the intelligence that comes along with this. So so that kind of goes along with fundamental belief number one. Number two, I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, is one and alone and that there is no oneness in any way like him and that he alone is our God, was, is, and will be. Now, I also want to say here that uh, the Jewish people do not believe that they are able to speak the name of God. Uh, you will often hear the Jewish version of God called Yahweh, and it's because generally when they write the name of God, they write G hyphen D or Y W H E H or something like that, uh, because they don't believe that mere man can speak the name of God. So um, number three, I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, is incorporeal, that he is free from all anthropomorphic properties and that he has no likeness at all. 
For I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, is the first and the last. Five, I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, is the only one to whom it is proper to pray and that it is inappropriate to pray to anyone else. Six, I believe with complete faith that all the words of the prophets are true. I wonder if that's where Matt Redman got the uh, idea for his song, Blessed Be His Name. Maybe. You think? I can't, you think? (laughs) (laughs) Seven, I believe with complete faith that the prophecy of Moses, our teacher, peace unto him, was true, and that he was the father of the prophets, both of those who preceded and of those who followed him. Eight, I believe with complete faith that the whole Torah which we now possess was given to Moses, our teacher, peace unto him. Nine, I believe with complete faith that this Torah will not be changed and that there will be no other Torah given by the creator, blessed be his name. Ten, I believe with complete faith that the creator, blessed be his name, knows all the deeds and thoughts of human beings as it is said in Psalms 33, 15, quote, it is he who fashions the hearts of them all He who perceives their actions. 11. I believe with complete faith that the Creator, blessed be his name, rewards those who observe his commandments and punishes those who transgress his commandments. So, a little bit of karmic belief in there as well. 12. I believe with complete faith in the coming of, and I am going to butcher this name and I apologize, Moshiach. And although he may tarry, nevertheless, you said I, it right. I wait for him every day to come. Moshiach is the savior of the Jews, the Messiah. 13. I believe with complete faith that there will be resurrection of the dead at the time when it will be the will of the creator, blessed be his name, and exalted be his remembrance forever and ever. Now, the foundation of all foundations and basic principles of the Torah and the pillar of wisdoms is to know that there is a first being who brings into every exist who brings every existing thing into being all existing things in heaven on earth and what is between them come into being only from his true existence it should enter if it should enter one's mind that he does not exist no other thing could have any existence So if you don't believe that God exists, then nothing else can exist either. That there has to be a creator for all things. So that's just scratching the surface of a little bit of light Jewish reading there. Okay, so that is kind of like the the Jewish faith and what they believe. Yes. So that kind of leads us into what our show tonight is about. I think you needed that background. Yes, I and agree. Like, and like, we, we just tried to enlighten people and to expound knowledge. And just so you know, hopefully you know a little bit more than when you started listening to the show. Yeah. And I mean, I've learned a lot by listening to this. Yeah, I I would encourage people to study other faiths, whether you have a religious belief or you don't. I've started reading the, I've read the Torah, I've read the Bible front to back, I've started reading um, the Quran, never got through it because it's a really big, thick, fat book, and I kind of honestly ran out of time, sorry. I've read Gnostic Gospels, I've read a little bit of the Book of Mormon, just, it's so interesting to me to learn how other people believe 
And I think that it it would do the world a lot of good because it seems to me like a lot of hatred and strife stems from religious disagreements. But if you can kind of understand what somebody else believes from a firsthand text instead of just what other people tell you about what they believe. From a meme? Yeah. (laughs) Then you're you're on your way to kind of finding common ground. Yeah. So just my two cents. So... With that background and, and that lead up, we're going to talk about now the story of Hanukkah. And like we kind of alluded to earlier, it no matter what your faith is and what your religious beliefs, these are some really cool stories to listen to. That if, if okay, so if you're a complete atheist or agnostic, just if you want to read and learn and and read these stories. They're just some really cool stories that mm-hmm. happened back in in history. They're they're a part of history. They're a part of time. So you don't have to have a religious faith or a religious background to believe. I mean, there is no um, doubt. There's there's nothing. These things actually happened. Right. You don't have to yeah. have. You don't have to believe. In, there are parts of of various stories. Yeah. That require you to have faith. I mean, my period of history, I like to read about is World War II. That is just what I like to believe. There's some people that like to go back to these ancient yeah. histories and ancient battles. And so it's all really interesting stuff. And, so, and it, when, so I thought of a perfect example of what you, what you mean when you say you don't have to have the faith background. You can look at the story of Moses. Um, whether you believe that Moses parted the Red Sea to lead the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt, there's no question that the Israelites were slaves of the Egyptian people. Yeah. That has been proven. So, and a lot of things in the Bible, the Torah, the Quran, have been proven. These things did happen. There yeah. are elements of faith interwoven into And that's what makes our religions different than a lot of other religions. Ours right. is a religion of faith. Yeah. That you have to Okay, but let's we anyway, don't want we don't want to get into the church here. Yeah. Yeah, we're getting off on the Okay. So before we get into Hanukkah and the story of the Maccabees, let's give some historical perspective here. In 200 BC, the powerful Seleucid Empire took over Judea. They ruled from about 312 BC to 63 BC. Their empire was an area what now is known as Israel and the Palestinian territories. So that should give you a frame of reference for what part of the world we're talking about right here. So the Seleucids, they were a, I guess way to say it is, a Greek-centric kingdom, which was founded by Seleucus. He was one of Alexander the Great's top military officers, and he had steadily expanded outward from its capital of Antioch, which is now in what we would say is modern-day Syria. Some Jews embraced aspects of the Seleucid's Hellenic culture, basically the Greek culture. But when Antiochus IV Epiphanes became king in 175 BC, this is confusing because we're yeah, moving you're going up. backward. Yeah, yeah, and th- this was really hard to research and understand because there's some common names that, as I did the research to try to put together. It, it just didn't. Ancient I had to, names I had are to really, of, yeah. yeah. Ancient names are something else, and it's so uh, it's neat too because you have ancient names that have kind of 
evolved over time. And they're time. common names against other. So so if you Google a name, it comes up with someone else. Like the so the in Christianity, the thirteenth disciple that took Judas's place is named Matthias, which is our Matthias. We have a Matthias. But the name has changed. They dropped a T and they changed the pronunciation. And so some names now are, you know, just over time have become morphs of ancient names. Well, old Antiochus, Antiochus. Antiochus? Antiochus, yeah. (laughs) He began um, an explicit program of Hellenization in the Jewish territory. So he's spreading his the Greek ways up into the Jewish territories, promoting the values of worldly knowledge, mm. physical beauty, hedonistic indulgence, and worshiping more than one God. Now, a lot of uh, local Jews were all for this. It's going to get you in trouble, local Jews. Don't do it. The initiative and impetus for this often came from the locals themselves, said Shane J.D. Cohen, professor of Hebrew literature and philosophy at Harvard, and author of From the Maccabees to the Mishnah. 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 They were eager to join uh, the general global community. For example, the Jewish high priest who served as a religious leader and political ruler of the, sem- the semi-autonomous Judea welcomed the construction of a gymnasium in Jerusalem where Seleucid military officials practiced traditional Greek exercise in the nude alongside local Jews including the priest. Mm, This makes me so uncomfortable. (laughs) Antiochus also encouraged the development of the Greek educational system and the Jewish society. A growing number of Jews began worshiping Greek gods too. The rising influence of Hellenism was not immediately a source of open conflict within the Jewish community. In fact, Hellenism, Hellenism... Hellenism... yeah. Uh, permitted even the most traditional circles of Jewish society to one degree or another. It makes me so uncomfortable because the Jude or the Greeks were so all about just kind of having a good time, and the fact that it is going into like the deepest, the deepest faith. I, I don't know. I guess it's just that Jude, Judaism is such an old faith. That this good time Charlie coming in with his Greek ways and well, infiltrating it makes me so sad for them. People are people. I know. So okay, I so know. a typical Judean would have worn Greek robes and proficient in the Greek language, whether he was urban, rural, rich, or poor. A faithful a faithful practitioner of the Mosaic faith, or just a dabbler in polytheism. So polytheism would mean more worshiping more than one God. Yep. Becoming more Hellenized didn't mean they were less Jewish as a result, said Eric Gruen, an emeritus history professor at the University of California, Berkeley, and author of Diaspora, Jews Amidst Greeks and Romans. Most Jews don't see Hellenism as the enemy or any way compromising their sense of themselves as Jews. So what happened? Antiochus IV also introduced foreign rights into the Jewish temple, forcing Jewish pilgrims to sacrifice pigs. Ooh, that's bad. Which are considered profane in Judaism. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. It's unclear whether Menelaus, who carried these acts, did so out of his own ambition or with the Seleucids backing on antiquous orders or in some combination. Now, here's another one. I had to Google up Menelaus to see who he was. And if you Google him up, he is um, 
he he was not he he was a Jewish priest, a high priest, not the king of Sparta. So it took so a lot of like a, th- a thing that people think is that Menelaus is the king of Sparta. No, I just wanted to be accurate with this, and so I had oh, to okay. Google that up to see. And the first thing that pops up is a um, in Greek mythology, the king of Sparta, which huh. he also had problems with his wife. <laughs> if you <laughs> know Greek all. mythology, yeah. Yeah, so, those so anyway, Greeks and their wives. So this guy was a high Jewish priest. Some scholars believe Antiochus' efforts in Judea were part of an empire-wide attempt to consolidate his power by uniting the separate territories under a common Hellenistic rule. Some suggest that the king's courtiers, most likely including Jewish officials such as Menelaus, put him up to it. Hmm. Yeah, so those officials may have sought to reform their religion in the name of the king, Cohen said. But one way or another, the tyrannical measures were too much for traditional Jews, prompting them to fight rather than acquiesce to the authorities and demand. So politics are politics. Oh, I'm gonna it's say, just ooh. different times. I'm going to say, but, this is why we need a separation are, of church and state. But politics are politics. This is why we need a separation of church and state. They actually rebel only when the religious persecution reached a level They could no longer tolerate, said Cohen, who also chairs Harvard's Department of Near Eastern Languages and Civilizations. The line in the sand seems to have been the Torah and the commandments and the profaning of the ritual of the temple. Cohen characterized these Jews not as zealots, but as realists. Until then, they had embraced many Hellenistic norms in their own lives and accommodated the spread of practices to which they objected, such as foreign worship, among their co-religionists. So the le- moral of the story, be tolerant, but know what you stand for. And, and Yeah, I and, mean, it's okay to understand and know, but, right. yeah. you, but that's if your thing. faith is your faith, you need to stick with your faith. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Y'all don't have any idea how hard it is for me to get through <laughs> this. There are You're doing of, so good. Yeah, I am. You, you are doing really, really well. <laughs> the Maccabees <laughs> in 168 BCE... Good old Antiochus, um, the ruler of the Syrian kingdom, stepped up his campaign to squash Judaism so that all the subjects in his vast empire, which included Israel, would share the same culture and worship the same gods. Now, Antiochus and his Jewish allies, including the high priest Menelaus, pushed the more pious Jews way too far, and it got to be too much for him. Menelaus, the priest... Embarked, not not the uh, Greek guy from Greek mythology, embarked on a campaign of radical Hellenization in 167 BC. So now we're going to really get into Hanukkah right here. Mm. Decreeing that studying the Torah, observing the Sabbath, and circumcising Jewish boys were punishable by death. He sent Syrian overseers and soldiers to villages throughout Judea to enforce the edicts and force Jews to engage in idol worship. When the Syrian soldiers reached Modin, about 12 miles northwest of the capital, they demanded that the local leader, Mattathias and Kohen, a member of the priestly class, be examples to his people by sacrificing a pig on the portable Ugh. pagan altar. This is like the worst thing that you can do. Well, at this time, prostitutes were also allowed to solicit 
their services freely on the temple grounds. Yeah, this was a thing. Um, even in Jesus' time, there were things called temple prostitutes that, that you could hire a well, prostitute. Well, Jesus got mad at them and, and kicked everyone out, out of the temple. He yeah, did. He sure did. Um, but the, that was a thing, that you could hire prostitutes at the temple, and apparently it was a form of... I'm not exactly sure how it worked, but I think that it was like a form of worship to hire a prostitute. Hmm. Yeah, I think that was kind of like a uh, fertility rite or something. Right. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was like a um, sort of a, a, a yeah, essentially okay. just a way to. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, the elder refused and killed not only the Jew who stepped forward to do the Syrians' bidding, but also the king's representative, Ooh. with the rallying rallying cry. Whoever is for God, follow me. Mattathias and his five sons, Jonathan, Simon, Judah, Eliezer, Eleazar, Eleazar and Yohanan, took off to the hills and the caves of the wooded Judean wilderness. So now, now it's, it's really starting. So they were joined by a ragtag army of others like them. So they went out and they solicited, they found other people to support their cause. These uh, people who came to follow them were just simple followers followers who believed in the laws of Moses, armed with only spears, bows, and arrows, and rocks from the terrain, whatever they could scavenge. The Maccabees, Mattathias' sons, particularly Judah, came to be very well-known. They essentially fought a guerrilla war against the well-trained and well-equipped, seemingly endless forces of the mercenaries of the Syrian army. In three years, it took three years for the Maccabees but they fought their way back to the Temple Mount, which they were able to recapture. And once back in, they cleaned the temple, tore down the what they thought of the, the defiled altar, and built a new one in its place. Three years of the day after Antiochus' mad rampage in about 165 B.C., the Maccabees held a dedication, which today is known as Hanukkah, of the temple with proper sacrifice, rekindling of the golden menorah, and the eight days of celebration and praise to God. Now, proper Jewish worship had been reestablished. He is credited with preserving the Jewish religion. Perhaps the most famous part of this story is what happened next. And this is why Hanukkah is so famous today. To light the menorah for the rededication of the temple, they could only find just a little bit of oil. The miracle of this whole story is is with that little bit of oil, which should have only burned about a day, the oil burned for about eight days, and just and is a little them bit to of, cleanse the temple. Yeah, and there's a little bit of trivia here. Most likely, it was olive oil that they were burning. All right, whoo, you good? Look, we need to you do a, a story. We needed we needed to store another story on like Eastern Kentucky and Appalachia, where, <laughs> where I can say the understand the dialect and <laughs> speak the language. You did a great job. I'm really proud of you. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Hanukkah today. Traditionally, Hanukkah is kind of a minor holiday. Um, it's not a big deal in in the traditional Jewish lore, I guess, for lack of a better term. Passover is a much bigger deal. Passover, of course, goes back to the story of the Israelites in captivity, and Moses tried to tell the Egyptian pharaoh that you need to let my people out of captivity or God's going to come and take the firstborn of every son. The Israelites put uh, sacrificed a lamb, put the blood on the doorposts, and they were passed over. 
and their their firstborn children lived. That it's is, like, I've heard some people suggest we put a C over our door right now so the COVID <laughs> passes us over. But that is a much bigger holiday, huge. However, since the turn of the 21st century, Hanukkah has come to be synonymous with the Jewish identity and is now almost as celebrated as Passover is. Hanukkah starts on the 25th day of Kislev, which is the ninth month in the Jewish calendar, and as a result, it changes every year because the Jewish calendar is based on lunar cycles, so it's never on the same day every year. It's not like Christmas is always December 25th. So each night for eight nights, a candle is lit on the Hanukkah, which is a... We typically say menorah. Hanukkah is a, uh, it has the nine candles instead of a menorah, which only has seven. And the candles are loaded from right to left, but lit from left to right. Looking at them or? Yeah. From, okay. So the shamash or helper candle is generally set apart. It's often higher than the others or off to the side. Um, We have a Hanukkah and it is, The shamash is kind of, uh, it's like the first one in our, it's like a linear one, and it's kind of a little bit up higher than the other ones. Now, depending on the Jewish tradition, some families celebrate Hanukkah slightly differently. For example, Ashkenazi Jews often have a Hanukkah for each member of the family, while Shepardi Jews usually have one for the entire family. And when we talk about Ashkenazi Jews or Shepardi Jews, a lot of these are based on where uh, sort of the, the ancient tribes and what part of Europe or Asia or where in the world these, um, I guess, branches of Judaism are from. Yeah, I didn't want to say like sex. I, I, I think actually the actual term is sect. A sect of Judaism, yeah. yeah. I think. Um, now, the use of the shamash also varies. Ashkenazim use the shamash to light the other candles, while Shepardim and some other Orthodox branches of Judaism light the shamash last. So they light all the other candles with just like a match or whatever, and then they light the shamash final. The main purpose of the shamash is to adhere to the prohibition against using the Hanukkah lights for anything other than publicizing and meditating on the Hanukkah miracle. So the lights are meant to be seen, which is why you you want to display them someplace prominent, generally speaking. Ours are in our front picture window. The lights can be from an oil lamp or candles, and in some cases, when it's not permissible to have an open flame, an electric light is used. So if you're, um, you might be a college student living in a dorm and they don't want you to have an open flame, or you might be on oxygen in a nursing home, and obviously an open flame is not a good idea. But generally, blessings are not recited over the electric light. Remember that time we went deep sea fishing out in the Gulf of Mexico? And that guy was like on oxygen. And smoking. And then he would like take his oxygen mask off and hold it off as far as he could with his left arm. And then take a drag off a cigarette. Then hold his cigarette out as far as he could with his right arm and put his oxygen back on. Yeah. Okay. I think I took a picture of that. Okay, anyway. Now, like I mentioned, the reason for the Hanukkah lights is not for the, light, popped for the lighting of the house within, but rather for the illumination of the house without, so that passersby should see it and be reminded of the holidays, excuse me, holidays miracle. Accordingly, lamps are set up at a prominent window or near the door leading to the street. And <laughs> right now, we have a picture of 
a cardboard cutout of Governor DeWine in our window point, point, mm-hmm. with his fingers pointing at your eyes, yep. at his eyes. Like, I'm watching you. Generally, the Hanukkah lights are kindled at sundown and burn for at least a half hour. Typically, there are three blessings. On the first night, there's a blessing for the miracles of Hanukkah. And translated, the blessing says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who performed miracles for our ancestors in those days at this time. There are also hymns recited each night, such as the Henarot Halalu, which says, We kindle these lights for the miracles and the wonders, for the redemption and the battles that you made for our forefathers, in those days, at this season, through your holy priests. Wow. During, That's a whole lot for only two words. During all eight days of Hanukkah, these lights are sacred, and we are not permitted to make ordinary use of them except to look at them in order to express thanks and praise to your great name for your miracles, your wonders, and your salvations. The name of the thing is the Hanarat Halalu. Like that's not what it. Okay. That's I not. Get you. <laughs> it's not the translation of that's what that means. Uh, on the final night, there's a big celebration because Zahanukkah is the night that the miracle of the lights occurred. Of course, because Hanukkah is a celebration, it's not all solemnity. In the words of famed Jewish poet Adam Sandler, <laughs> instead of just one day of presents, we have eight crazy nights. Often the lighting of the Hanukkah, small gifts are exchanged. The after famed the, after Jewish the poet? Yes, the famed Jewish poet Adam Sandler. Uh, af- often after the lighting of the Hanukkah, small gifts are exchanged. Families play with a dreidel and can win or lose gelt, which are golden chocolate coins. And your luck kind of depends I on... I like that idea. Your luck depends on which side of the dreidel lands face up after being spun. So those uh, symbols that you see... Chocolate coins, huh? Yes. Those symbols that you see on the dreidel actually mean different things. And uh, they are they're different... Um, basically, they're... They're kind of observations, I guess, reminders so, of the Hanukkah season. So when Kim was had the nook, she tried to teach a lot of the <laughs> the different religions and stuff like that to the Are kids. You so, talking I mean, about ve- our Lego dreidel? Very, very, very basic. And you know how hard it is to find a dreidel? It's much. It's gotten in, easier in, in Ohio. Years, it, it was really difficult. And one year we had to make one out of what. It was a Lego. It was like a, a it wasn't a Lego. It was like one of the like the preschool Legos. Mega blocks. Mega blocks. Yeah, for, yeah. for the kids to spin. Yeah. So yeah. we wrote the we wrote the different uh, symbols on each of the or the letters um, on each of the different sides, and depending on what you get on the dreidel. So one side may mean you skip a turn, and one side may mean my side says. Eat five pieces of chocolate. That's not one of the sides. It may mean uh, you get a piece of chocolate or you give a piece of chocolate or whatever. And so you just, that's how you play spin the dreidel. You can also find uh, spin the dreidel. We cheated one year. We have a dreidel and I lost our mega block dreidel. And so we just played it on my phone. You can find all kinds of dreidel games on your phone. Anyway, uh, and like any other good holiday, there's the food. Because, yeah. because I, we really missed out this. We dropped the ball on Hanukkah food. Because Hanukkah is all about the blessing of oil to light the temple, there are lots of fried foods, including donuts. What did you have for supper tonight? Oh, French fries, but it's not Hanukkah anymore. And what did I fry that hamburger in? O- oil, but it's oil. not Hanukkah anymore. Dur- oh. During Last but, night was but, the last night of Hanukkah. But, but we are not Jewish. We are not Jewish. Okay. Not. But I... 
what I'm but saying, I do like fried food. What I'm saying is that we missed our opportunity to eat fried food without guilt. Uh, you, <laughs> you, I, I never <laughs> feel guilty eating my waistline eating feels fried very chicken. Guilty. So I anyway, never feel guilty about that. Anyway, uh, you can eat. Uh, there are like a fried donut that you that is very popular during Hanukkah and latkes. Mm, is which Bill's are, open? Mm, Oh, latkes, which are, of course, our potato pancakes, which, if you ask me, they are best served with applesauce. Although at various times in history, the Festival of Light was celebrated in secret, think the Holocaust, now it's on its way to being commercialized Christmas style, from giant public Hanukkiahs and menorahs to a mensch on a bench that competes with the elf on a shelf, you can now find Hanukkah specials at stores like Target and Bed Bath & Beyond. So it's becoming just as commercialized. It was kind of a minor holiday that has now become a major spending holiday and is kind of on par with Christmas if you are, in, you know, some members of the Jewish faith. Uh, and it's actually kind of a controversy if you, well, if you really want to get into it. Well, just like our media story... It, everything is coming down to money anymore, and I think that's kind of sacrilegious that this this all happens. I agree. Yeah. So there is uh, the belief in some circles that Hanukkah is becoming sort of the uh, sort of a Jewish Christmas, as it were, a secularization of the holiday, which is a minor holiday, but which is my understanding is used for remembrance of ancestors. And all of the things the Jewish people have, because it is such an old religion, the that, Jewish people have really suffered many, many, many things over and, the history of Judaism. And, and, that, and that's why we put a menorah in our house this year as a remembrance since th things have happened. I'm not going to go into detail, but we have discovered that Kim's great-grandfather was held in a concentration camp in mm -hmm. Germany. And from what we know right now, and I plan to do a lot of research on this if we can figure this out, was only kept alive because he was a huge man, like He's over seven, seven feet, feet tall. tall yeah. yeah, and so he was kept alive basically for the entertainment of the prison guards. He so dress him up like a clown. So we, we put up a menorah this year that in remembrance of those people that her her. Her, for, her forefathers. And also, I, I also uh, thought a lot about, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but when I was in sixth grade, um, we read... You have. The, the lady who I, I think I mentioned um, was a concentration camp survivor, and her story still sticks with me to this day. And so I just laid it in, in honor and in memory of the Jewish people, um, people that I have met, people that I have not met, um, and just the struggle and persecution of people who have been made to feel or treated less than just because of their belief. Yeah. So as we were saying earlier in the show, it doesn't matter at, at this point with, with, with the context of this show. If you have faith, if you are Jewish, if you are Muslim, if you're a Christian, Whatever your faith is, it doesn't... Right now, we're not talking about that. We're trying to talk about the history and the realism that is out there that happened throughout history and time. And that's so, definitely like, something even, that is even historical. If you're not, even if you don't have any faith, if you read the Old Testament and the Bible, there's a lot of history 
And there's a lot of stories. And that stuff... The Jewish people have... I it's would not argue, debatable. It's, no, this stuff I, happened. I would argue that of any religion in of any religion in the world ever in the history of the world, the Jewish people have probably been persecuted more for a longer period of time than any other religion in the world. And, and they just, again, I mentioned at the top of the show that that is, I have such a deep and abiding respect and love for the Jewish people because you, they're such a strong people. Um, you know, they, they, Hitler tried to annihilate an entire ethnic population with all of their culture and their stories, and they just wouldn't let it happen. And I have, I just think that's beautiful. Well, if you have faith, it, it, it couldn't have happened because according to faith, they are God's chosen people. So that's true. Hitler couldn't have done that. that that's as true. much as he tried. So, I mean, that's but true, I, like I said, true. I don't want to get into but the but theology I kind of, of this. I almost feel like that minimalizes. That viewpoint almost minimalizes what the Jewish people. Ooh, suffered. I don't know. I would think that is that 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 shows the strength of the faith and the the I don't the religion that one that the man couldn't overcome God. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, that yeah. that that's how I would look that, at it. Yeah, yeah, I okay, that's fair. Yeah. All right. So, how much time we got left? Not much. You want to go ahead and wrap it up? It'll be a little bit of a short. Yeah, one, let's. But. No, we're we're pretty close to an hour right here. So, All right, well, there you go. I hope you yeah. guys learned a little bit about the Jewish faith. Uh, I'm not asking that you be a fan of it as much as I am. I just, you know, it's always been something that I thought was really interesting. And so. let's hopefully the rabbi that was listening isn't sitting there cringing of <laughs> what we said. If you are a member of the Jewish faith. I would love, love so much. To find out how much we butchered this. Yes. Please just kindly and with grace (laughs) tell us how wrong we are uh, and how much stuff I got wrong. (laughs) Well, next week we're going to be talking about the Christmas story. And again, you know, in our faith, it's the, you know, Jesus came as the son of the son of God. But we're going to try to talk about what was going on with Herod and all this stuff. And again, we're going to talk about stuff that is it's it's not debatable. We we know it happened. It's just where you put your faith if you believe that that Jesus was the son of God. But the stories and what we're going to tell next week and we'll probably dabble into a little bit of our faith too, but the stories we're going to tell next week There's actually are actually part of it that I really want to get into that I read something about the other day about adoption uh that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about that a little bit. Anyway, if someone wanted to call us or email us or get hold of us and tell us how totally screwed up we are <laughs> with the Jewish faith, how do they get hold of us, Kim? <sighs> you can find us on all the socials, Twitter at A Lost Hour, um, Facebook and Instagram, An Hour of Your Life, and you can write to us at alosthour at gmail.com. Yeah. Again, so- remember... To be gracious. So if we're doing our best, if you've got some friends out there that are saying, "Man, I'm really looking for a really good podcast," send them our way. Tell them about an hour of your life because look, this podcast is about just expanding your horizons a little bit. Sometimes we take on serious topics. Sometimes we take on a little bit more lighthearted topics like lawn chair Larry. But you know what? That actually lawn chair Larry actually became a pretty serious. Episode we need by to the find time we were done, like lighthearted, lighthearted from first to end. But but 
that we tried that. We thought Lawn Chair Larry would do that. <laughs> we did. But by the time we got Ugh. the end of it, humans are the worst. It, it, it became a very serious topic. It really did. It, yeah, and, and we don't want to make light of Lawn Chair Larry. No, we don't. And stuff like well, that. So anyway, I'll, that's my. So also, I guess in that same vein, if you have something that is truly lighthearted from start to finish, please send it to us because God if knows we all. If you want to come on, I, I'm not joking when I. Say I'm struggling <laughs> with some of these words right here. I'm struggling with some if of these words. If you're a linguist, please hit me up and we will have you on the show. Yeah. So anyway, anything else, Kim, that we want to wrap up? Don't uh, forget. I don't think so. Just don't forget the Christmas star, which is not really a star, but two planets, planets lining up. Hopefully, the clouds will be out and you can see them. And, you know, you can say you saw something that hasn't happened in 800 years. Yeah, there you go. Uh, One last thing before we go. I do want to give out a very important number. I know that for a lot of time, a lot of people, uh, the holidays can be a very difficult time. And especially this year. Yes, especially this year. If you are experiencing, um, you know, a struggle, if your your mental health is maybe not where it should be, we're going to write down to this number, 1-800-273-273. 8255. You can call that number day or night. Again, say that number again slowly. 800 273 8255. Call them day or night. There's somebody on the other end of the line waiting to talk to you. Um, it, there's nothing wrong with needing to find everybody shoulder. needs a little help every now and then. Absolutely. I am not ashamed to say Don't that. Don't pretend I, like you are. Super strong. No. Everyone needs some help. Absolutely. I'm not ashamed to say that I had a breakdown at work the other day. I was crying in my office. Sometimes you just have that, that sometimes life just gets to be a lot. And if you don't have a shoulder to cry on, if you don't have somebody to listen, 800-273-8255. There is somebody there 24 hours a day on the other end of the line that would love to talk with you. Anything else we want to wrap up with tonight? I think that's it. All uh, right. If we don't talk to you before then, Merry Christmas. Yeah, hopefully we'll get another show out before Christmas. If not. Well, we got to because we got to talk it's about the Christmas today. story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll get it out. Uh, we'll get it out. Okay, right. so from our studios in Sugar Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. Lots of sources this week. Wikipedia, Shabbat.org, The Holy Bible, MyJewishLearning.com, Huffington Post, Shay J.D. Cohen, Professor of Hebrew Literature and Philosophy at Harvard, and Eric Gruen, Emeritus History Professor at University of California, Berkeley, and NPR.